Hello and welcome to another director-specific episode on the Auto Archives podcast, where this time we delve and discuss the dark, gothic and macabre works of author Tim Burton. From stop-motion animation to the caped crusader, from childhood remakes to twisted fairy tales, it's fair to say his works are a mixed bag. With a total of 19 movies that he's helmed as director, as well as many other projects, there's plenty to be discussed as guest Max Todd and I share our thoughts, as well as our top five favourite Tim Burton films. Thanks for listening and enjoy. how we doing i'm very well mate yourself yeah i'm not too bad thank you um we've got you back on this episode for finally discussing our top five tim burton movies i know this has been going on for a while i know i've been going through his filmography and actually getting through a, a few that i hadn't seen first time around some some big ones as well so i'm keen to discuss those with you today but before we do as always just quickly catching up with what you've been watching recently movies and tvs wise uh so last week was obviously halloween and (laughs) in the uh spirit of the season and in the substitution of being able to go out or have any kind of party because of restrictions at the moment i just stayed in and got drunk and watched horror films so (laughs) i watched um the silence of the lambs I watched Shining and I watched Seven. So three, three S starting horror films, but three, <laughs> which I didn't intend to. But, um, I but just yeah. picture, I'm just picturing you now stumbling over to your alphabetical DVD <laughs> case right, yeah, and yeah. just going, S, "It's going to be S tonight," and just it's, picking it's, out three with your big drunken lug hands. Yeah, or just <laughs> or, <laughs> going to put the Shining back in the shelf. Like I'm going to watch a horror film. Seven, oh seven, I got seven, just like. <laughs> No other, no other letter in the alphabet exists but S for yeah. horror films. But I feel like that actually might be the only three you have now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Just watch them for every Halloween. You just change the order. Change the order <laughs> yeah. you watch them. But, um, um, they, but, have your opinions changed on those? Are they still classics in your oh, eyes? Oh, absolutely. I I absolutely love The, the Shining. I absolutely yeah. adore it. Like, it's... Uh, you know, when I got to see it in the cinema last year, that was just brilliant. But, like... It's just so good, and there's I, I I have yet to watch any like the documentaries about it and stuff like that, and how people have dissected it so much. But it's just there's so much. I don't know. It's just such a it's such a great film. I I, I absolutely love it in that. And it's, it's it's weird it's, how well it's not weird, but it's it's obviously one of the most iconic horror films. Yet barely anyone's killed in that. I think there's a death count of what oh yeah two or three people. It's um there's spoilers. I think, I think there's, I think the thing about it that like kind of hits hu- hu- really hard is, <laughs> and it's a bit weird. I was, I was thinking about this. And I was like, God, they've got to like, so when he explains what the season is, it's what the start of May until the end of October. And then from mm. then on, the idea is that, you know, Jack and his family would look after the, it's like, that's six months. That's like yeah. six months stuck in that hotel, just them. And I thought like, 
God, this, you know, this, what a sign of the times at the moment that everybody's stuck indoors at the minute and like, you know, going mad and wow, all that kind so of true. stuff. Like it, it was, you know, it was, there was definitely comparisons between the isolation of that, but, but it, it is things like that, you know, the, um, the sheer magnitude of that hotel and being on your own and stuff like that, it must be, you know, even with your family there, it must just be, must be so daunting. Obviously, I'm, I'm just, I'm just that. picturing you walking into, uh, I've started, uh, I've started like a typewriter, just <laughs> all, fit, I, all walking, no playbooks, Mac. It's a top boy. I've bought a rubber ball and I've just like thrown it against my wall <laughs> during the day just when I get bored and that. But, but and, like just talking to myself in the kitchen as if like there's a bartender there and that as well. Like <laughs> I've got two 20s and a 10 running a hole in my pocket. But, You've always been the caretaker, man. <laughs> that's right, yeah. You've always what? been on your laptop. <laughs> <laughs> and uh seven as well like yeah that's just oh yeah seven i know yeah, we said it's... we said about doing perhaps fincher yes at some point i know he hasn't done as many as say burton today but um he's done some absolute classics oh yeah and it's um yeah it's it's such a i don't know even, even when you watch it now like it's such a dark and twisted thing and stuff like that it's such a clever thing as well see the the incorporation of the seven deadly sins into a serial oh, killer's yeah. motives and stuff and but that and um, yeah, Silence of the Lambs as, as well. I watched it and that. And I need Silence to watch the... that again. It's been so long since I've seen that. Silence um... of the Lambs, like that's not by today's standards, it's pretty tame. But again, it's just a, it's just the. I think for me, the most gruesome bit in that whole film is when um, again, spoiler for anybody who has not seen it. But the bit for me that you know is the most gruesome is when he attacks the guards when he's in he's in that. Um, you know, that kind of makeshift prison that they yeah. put him in and he takes the guard's face off and makes it out of the building. You know, that's that's probably the most gruesome part of the whole thing. What's funny uh, is, well, it's not funny, but those those three films are relatively realistic horrors in the sense that those could happen oh, as yeah, opposed well, to ghosts. I mean, I know there's ghosts in Shining, but it's more of a isolation thing, isn't it? Which is obviously like prevalent to what you've just said about lockdown stuff, but they're all things that could happen as opposed to monsters, vampires, zombies, werewolves and all that stuff. So, Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's, and this is the kind of like horror films, if you will, that, or, you know, psychological thrillers that I prefer ones where it can kind of happen because it kind of leaves that impression on you a bit of like, especially when you read up about stuff afterwards and that, where it's like, this was inspired by this thing and it's like which was pretty pretty close to the real yeah. thing and you know it's um it is quite you know it, it does it kind of you know it's a bit more scary the fact that it's uh, it's a real life thing and all what one, um, one film i'd recommend that's like so realistic it could happen sort of film is eden lake have you ever seen that is that the no i'm thinking it's... of i'm thinking of funny <laughs> games no uh no, so it's it's got Michael Fassbender before he's relatively famous, I'd say, and basically nothing is scarier than chavs. Oh, okay. And um, basically, I won't go into it in case you yeah. do, it, but it's so like, realistic, nerve-wracking, yeah. and realistic. It's just like, oh my god, just turn. Oh yeah, off. <laughs> it's oh, so horrible. Yeah. But it's funny games is another one where it's just like, I can't look away. Yeah, I can't watch it anymore. Just that's that's I think that's the real horror as you get older. Just films were about real life situations, like just yeah. just have that. Just have really anxiety things oh, like nice. just have just have a film where like you've got uh, a guy's got a job interview that's really going to change his life, but he can't 
find the building that he's supposed to go into. That would, you know, well, a horror film that's missing is someone that just won't move away from your doorstep. That's terrifying. Yeah. Just knock and not leave that in an hour and a half. That's yeah, terrible. that would freak me out. Yeah, there you go. Just, 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 just aim for that anxiety-ridden real-life horror horror movies. But, um, but yeah, I watched them, and then I think I messaged you in the week to say that. You know, this whole, this, you know, doing this pod and stuff like that, this, it's kind of um, invigorated my love for films and stuff. And I've made a kind of pledge to try and, not complete, but try and chip away at all the watch lists I've got on the various streaming platforms and so Netflix and Amazon Prime. And so I've removed all TV series and like non movies. So anything that I've watched already and TV series I have removed from Netflix watch list. So it's just, films that i've not seen yet um and in the last few days i've watched um panic room i've watched which i know a lot of people especially you could not believe that i've never seen until now hook uh i know oh, i yeah I, i've uh, already battered you for that so i'm not i won't carry on uh primal fear and uh non-stop uh, non-stop I only watched because I was around my parents and they hadn't seen it either and we watched it together but it was basically taken on a plane not... it really frustrates me Liam Neeson because he's such a good actor but yet again he's I mean he's got a film out I know it's cinemas are shut but just before cinema shut called Honest Thief where it's basically the same thing the old guy drunken yeah, guy yeah. who takes revenge on people who've done him wrong like oh my god but that seems that, seems that seems to be for him his like typecast thing now which is mad because it's i would love it if it turns out if it's like all in the same universe he's actually the same <laughs> like it's almost like uh inception or something like that where he's he's actually just in all different dimensions or whatever it might be like it's that he's actually the same person he's just in different worlds yeah. the whole time different dimensions but like did you ever see cold cold pursuit that came out last year where he's like no. So that was, again, same thing. Uh, he loses a child. He goes after the guys that um, that caused it. But it was like a black comedy. So it was, it was quite funny, to be fair. It was quite, it was, it was of the recent ones he's done, where it's that same copy and paste of, okay, he's out for revenge. It was probably the best one he's done in a long time. Well, since Taken, to be fair, since the first Taken. And it was, yeah. you know, because it was quite a, it was, it was, a, you know, it was a, black comedy so it was quite you know quite dark and but funny in the, in the way he was getting revenge but that was decent but but yeah so i've just started watching films that i've never seen before um just so i can start really chipping away and at the watch list that i've had over the years and actually start watching some new stuff rather than tacking back onto the same stuff that i watch time and time again when have I can't you, make have you got up. one in mind that you want to start with or are you just gonna Go to S again from your DVD shelf. <laughs> yeah, just anything S, just anything beginning with S. Uh, but um, but yeah, like I've see, I've got quite a few films that, like, I think again would maybe shock, not shock people, be like, how have you missed that? Like, I've never seen Labyrinth. That's my list. Ah, uh, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't rib you for that though. No, I mean, it's, but, it's great. But um, I mean, I didn't watch it as a kid. I'd watched it as an adult, and I feel like. It's one of those films that like, I, most people I've spoken to watched it as a kid and loved it, but yeah, I still love that, it anyway. So one of the things, you know, one of the films I said I watched was Hook and, you know, Fucking as a kid, I, I know, <laughs> as a kid, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. It was still yeah. good, but like it was one of those things where it was good, but I feel like if I had 
that child sense of wonder where it was like you know uh put your put your thinking cap to one side and just enjoy the film and that it'll, yeah it'll yeah be pretty different the, but like one dumb bit in hook that i still laugh at and love is when, is when the fat kid rolls down this ladder oh like, yeah and they use like the weird like... Pro, they, they use a weird like prosthetic <laughs> dummy of him to like as a cannonball now it's brilliant it's so funny and they just get us up like oh so dizzy that, was, that, bit, that bit still makes me laugh now but, don't know but why like, but it does but like some of the ones i got on my list are uncut gems oh, um, angela's ashes schindler's yeah. list oh schindler oh mate the, the you, Irish you might want to block you block out the day for schindler's list because yeah. you might want to watch a few more upbeat stuff after that. oh yeah but yeah like there's just there's just a few things that I, I was I was going to go back through Netflix and start adding stuff to the list. But I thought, you know what, I'll complete what I've got for the time being, and then and then go from there. But, but yeah, so that's kind of my my mission, if you will, at the moment nice. to uh, to get through that stuff. So plenty yeah. to get through then. Nice. Absolutely. What about yourself? Um, I've what have I been watching? So my Halloween film this year was The Conjuring. So okay. there's not. I'm really I've. I think I'm relatively numb to horror films these is days. With, is that the one with the thing that looks like Darth Maul? Is the no, is that's sin, uh, that's sinister. I think that's no, no, it. no, no, not... no, it's not. It's Insidious. Insidious, that's um, it. Yeah, 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 that's it. Which it's just, it, it's a weird one. So actually, now you've now we've mentioned those Sinister and Insidious. Like eighty percent of those films are fantastic. Until you get the big reveal of what the boogeyman looks like, and it just like oh, gotcha. But so so lame. So I I always said that the best part about all so look for me one of the scariest things that they've made in the last like decade or so like horror film scary movie if you will is Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Because the scariest thing in the world is what you envision in your mind is there rather than them showing you what's there like yeah exactly there was there was nothing more terrifying than what your mind could come up with rather than actually being you know revealed what the actual monster is because if it's not if it doesn't live up to what your fear is that fear straight away dissolves because like oh actually that's not the thing i was scared of that's actually not what i was scared of at all so it's not scary anymore but the conjuring's not is a bit in the middle i'd say because you do kind of have it's there is an element of um there's an exorcism scene, which I am slightly bored of as a thing, a trope in films, but this one's a bit more freaky. Um, and it's a bit, there are some actual jump scares that, that still got me. And there's some bits that freaked, freaked me out, which, like I said, I'm relatively numb to. So that's one I'm, I saw at the cinema and I hadn't seen for a while since. So that was quite a good one. Other than that, I'm trying to think what else I've watched really, but that, it is, um, it is it is funny you say about exorcisms you kind of you could you could argue that like after the exorcist it's done <laughs> like it's done like, like pretty much they just get more i mean that's the iconic obviously to, yeah that's, that's the it, benchmark that's almost the, it is the benchmark 100 percent. but they just seem to get more and more outrageous and you kind of just get the gist after a while it's like yeah i know what i'm expecting from this yeah. but other than that i've been plodding through the bond films again for the the bond marathon episodes but um Oh, we must re- we must re- mention uh, while you're speaking about Bond, rest in peace, Sir oh, Sean Connery. Of course, don't. what a loss! I, what a, I was hoping what a you hot. wouldn't mention it because now you, you're getting me emotional. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm absolutely gutted. Still, I've um, 
chipping away at the um, there was a documentary I think on BBC One or BBC Two Sean Connery one just going through his career and it's quite good to although he's obviously most mostly iconic from Bond and doing the Bond films how are all the other films that I've missed as well that just listening to people talk about them just sounds so good oh mate so, I love him absolutely ab- I absolutely love him in The Last Crusade Indiana Jones Last oh Crusade. yeah I mean that again yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's what we call the dog. <laughs> like... <laughs> He's so good in that. He's just <laughs> the bit that uh, just quickly, and we better start talking about Burton yeah. soon. But um, my favourite bit in uh, the Last Crusade that he does is when he's he's in the plane and Indiana's flying. Oh, and he, he shoots, sh- yeah. Shoots the own like fan, and he's like, "Yeah, we've been shot. Sorry, mate." <laughs> and it's like it's <laughs> Sorry, his own yeah. fault, and they just start. Oh, it's just so good. So good. Um, right, let's, let's let's get on with Burton then. <laughs> um, right, so before we get into our top five, um, I thought we'd start with what we always do with the the downer of his least favourite film. Oh, sorry, our least favourite film of his. So I... Actually, yeah, I'll let you go first on this. I'm interested to see what you've, you've picked. As it, I, I, I can probably guarantee that ours is exactly the same. And <laughs> the, reason, the reason I think it's his worst one is because it just wasn't needed in the slightest because it was a remake of a, or it, I think, I think the original intention, it was a reboot. It was supposed to be the start of a completely new saga right. um, of this story. And it, you know, it completely went off the, it took, you know, took a lot of the classic elements, but you know, I, I don't have an issue when reboots do this, where they, reboot a thing and they literally don't just make a carbon copy of it they do take it in a different direction because at the end of the day you know you've got to be different from an original otherwise you're just going to end up just making exactly the same film just in a modern day you know setting but the one i've said or think is the worst tim burton film is the 2001 planet of the apes yes and that is mine as well because it's absolute dog shit yeah it's one of those things where just like the remake of Ben Hur and the remake of Point Break, and the you know I think I don't know if they ever did it in the end, but the remake of Scarface, it's just not needed. Like mm-hmm. there was nothing wrong with the original. It's it's just, it just it just didn't need to be made, and that's why I think that's why I think when they eventually did the Planet of the Apes, um, you know the prequels, like how you know the the you know the, the ones they did for the um, you know how Caesar becomes, you know, um, intelligent, all that stuff. Yeah. It worked because it was quite interesting to see how it happened in the start rather than like, oh, we're going to remake the whole thing again. But, but yeah, it was just a very, it's a shame because there is a lot of good things from that film, but there's a lot of stuff that can be taken away from it that's just like, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll you know, it's, it's, you're, you've taken a, a, one of the most iconic films of all time. Yeah and you just haven't lived up to that expectation in the slightest enough for it to be to warrant any future you know sequels or, I, or I just, justification just, for it so, <clears throat> sorry excuse me it was the first time i'd ever seen it doing this sort of timber and marathon going through the films that i'd re-watching some that i hadn't seen for a while or just filling in the blanks of ones i completely missed this one i held off pretty much towards the end because i was like i just just no. I mean, I was kind of part of me, not going to lie, was hoping that I'd go in with such low expectations that it would take me by surprise. But it actually just was worse than I actually thought it would ever be. 
I think Mark, first things first, Mark Wahlberg is so boring in this. So dead. <laughs> so uninspiring. Just so, well, just the, actually the only thing, the stand-up performance, funnily enough, is Helena Bonham Carter. I yeah. thought, as, although she is a, uh, plays one of the monkeys in it. And funnily enough, is the first film that I think they work together, Tim Burton and uh, Bonham Carter as well. Have they but, made many films together then? Oh, is that a joke? Or yeah, <laughs> funny that. I'm sure. I'm sure that will come up again in every other film that she's been yeah. in together. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was so. Even for the time, it just looks so bad. Um, Tim Roth was good though. I thought Tim Roth. Tim, uh, he, he was one he, of the better. He was actually quite terrifying as a character. Yeah. Oh, it's like the general. And that's, what, and that's kind of what you wanted from that character. But it was just for me the <laughs> the bit that got me the like. Uh, you know the bit at the end with the um, the Lincoln Memorial. That's half, Wait, half, it's the, it's half, the dumbest thing. Why half has man, he half got open that? Like yeah. why Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. I like that. <laughs> it was just the dumbest thing. It was like the worst payoff. It was just some. It was just the statue, and he's like looks up slowly, and it's just a monkey tail. I was like, but this makes absolutely no sense. And all the police turn up, and they're monkey police. I was like, this is nowhere near. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Surprise of the original. I'm not gonna lie. If they had turned around and said, or like he had screamed like Abraham Lincoln, I think that would have made things ten times better. That's <laughs> that's that's brilliant, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> oh mate. It's, it's, I wish that if it had been re, if the film was called that from the start, I think I'd appreciate it a lot more. But it's just so, do you know what? Watching the film, it was like watching one of those, uh, you know, those like Sunday Channel 5 films from like yeah. the 90s. Yeah. Not films, sorry, TV series like Hercules and Xena. There were some scenes, it just felt like that sort of film that would be on a like early morning on a Sunday. It was just so badly. Like set design and some of the co- some of the costumes were good, but the set design stuff was just so bad. And you could just I think the reason I put it as worse as well after going through some of Tim Burton's like bigger films, there's absolutely no Tim Burton stamp on this whatsoever. He, there's no point in this film when you would go, this is a Tim Burton film. He, there's just it, no you could tell it was. You wouldn't be surprised if the studios have gone do this film and we'll give you loads of money to do your own project after because he just you could tell he just didn't care. Yeah, I mean, the only, like, Tim Burton stamp, I would say, is the fact that, like, it's a little bit darker than the originals. Like, the um, the originals were very much the science fiction element of it, whereas this was a lot of the kind of, um, not apocalyptic, but, like, do you know what I mean? Like, this sort of, um, I'm trying to think of the word, sort of, you know, the alternative. Downfall? Yeah, kind of. It was more about that sort of thing. You know, it was it was more the you know, not just a bit of a darker tone than the original, which is, you know, kind of, that's the only Tim Burton stamp, if you will, quotation marks are like, yeah. uh, that I would say that he has, that has on that film. It's just, it's a, it's a much darker tone than the originals. And that's, that's about it. But, um, but yeah. I did like, but yeah. the only one other good thing I did, I was Charlton Heston made a cameo. There's one of the monkeys in it. And that was probably yeah. about it. But that was, but, um, yeah. But yeah, shocking film. Terrible. Absolutely at the bottom of the list. Um, right before we go into the top five, there I just thought we'd talk about the director. I think we kind of spoke about him just there about kind of the running themes he does and 
so sort of the projects he does and the, the characters and actors that he regularly works with. So I think it's fair to say, well, like you've already said there, obviously his, I don't think them, I don't think they ever were married or I know that they're, they're not together anymore, but obviously he was with Helena Bonham Carter for the longest time and they've shared, I made a note of about, I think seven films together and the total films that he's done is about 19. Um, so I thought actually it was more than that. Um, that they've been working together on, but still quite a substantial amount of films from his career. And obviously Johnny Depp is probably the most, uh, when you think of Tim Burton and who he works with, Johnny Depp is just at the forefront of, of most of his films. And he's yeah. done at least eight, I think, films of, with them together. And I think Tim, Tim Burton's like running themes is very much like dark, twisted, macabre fantasies. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, there, there seems to be there, kind of like you said as well with the Planet of the Apes that you just said, that it's almost any story, there always is this darker element to it, um, but also kind of thrives on, try to put, in some cases, a, a positive spin or tries to make light of those situations. And I think, um, in the same I, think I think that's why a lot of, you know, some of the things he's made, it works in the style he does it because it, it fits in with that twisted thing and that's why i think you know not to rag on it to keep rag on it but that's why i don't think planet of the apes work because planet of the apes in its essence is a science fiction thing whereas this is a lot more um you know his his sort of thing is more like the like you said almost like the dark fantasy kind of stuff like the macabre gothic sort of side of things rather than the you know the science fiction eve's you know point of view yeah um, you just don't think science fiction when you think of tim burton it's like like you said it's these gothic period dramas or yeah. uh, animation is quite prevalent in his um yes. films as well so which like i know we'll, we'll no doubt sort of stuff. yeah it will the stop motion stuff uh, which i know no doubt we'll, we'll go on to in our top fives at some point but um it was quite funny how i think well firstly for me tim burton's career is a bit up and down i think um again we'll, we'll cover this mo um, in a moment but i think recently his films have dipped um especially as i was going through um his filmography um recently um it's quite what i found out sort of doing a bit of research as well is that he actually just before he sort of started as his career he actually worked for disney at some point um and he was doing all his you know, you know his, his sort of art style his visual style he was giving all of these drawings over to Disney and they were too terrifying to put I've, You use. know what? I've I've heard of that before and I can't think why, but yeah, I, I think I think I've heard that before. Like he yeah. um he like they they his tone was too well obviously you can see it in his work, it was too dark yeah. for what Disney wanted and that. But But it's it's funny how that's now come full circle and he's doing stuff like Dumbo and but you know back with disney again and how that's kind of all come back around back around but yeah i can imagine just tim burton handing in these sheets of, of drawings and then going we, yeah we it's you... not quite our bag so, 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 so tim the film's called toy story and um <laughs> yeah sorry could you just explain what this is it's like, yeah this is um this is a doll made of needles called um, <laughs> needle face like oh right okay um it's not gonna work out <laughs> Although it wouldn't be surprised if he designed the ones from uh, the neighbours' room. Sid, <laughs> yeah, that's Sid, it. Yeah, Sid, he, his, all the drawings he made were just Sid's. Sid's yeah, just just custom give him to toys. Sid. Yeah, give just Sid's give him to Sid. Yeah. <laughs> that, that makes complete sense. <laughs> Sid, Sid Burton. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think yeah, you can definitely tell 
Planet of the Apes aside, I think he is an auteur enough to 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 know when you're watching a film that is, that is a Tim Burton film because of those those traits, I think, especially like when you've said about the gothic and macabre, um, uh, yeah, and twisted I... fantasy stuff that he's they're they're more prevalent in more of his films than and the animation as well than than not, I think. Yeah, and I think it, it's a kind of a testament to him that he can have that stamp on films and almost have that um, that that style of film that he makes without it without it being considered overused or almost like stale in a way because there, there yeah. is some directors that you know <laughs> there's some directors you'll watch the you know you'll go to the cinema and you'll watch a trailer for a film and before it's even said like directed by you'll be able yeah. to like oh god this is such and such or like you can kind of already tell who's made this film and yeah. you know but that and you can do this with Tim Burton films to an extent but not to the point where you're like Oh God, he's doing this again. Like it's, you know, oh, it's a dark, twisted thing with that. It's yeah. because it, because he's very good at that storytelling behind it, and he, you know, he's very good at justifying the usage of those themes and that kind of dark, twisted, you know, macabre element of things because it's so good as part of the actual story itself. So it's not, it's not overplayed or it's not um, overused because it works so well in what the context is. I I just want him to go back to his original. He, you know, work for, on his uh, original ideas. So, like, I mean, recently he's been doing a lot of remakes. He's doing Alice in Wonderland. He's done Dumbo. He's done Planet of the Apes. Um, I just think he needs to go back and do some more personal stuff, like a, a proper passion project. And I think that would get him more in the po- positive public eye of his films. Because I think recently he has dipped, but he has got the potential to pull another one out of the bag, I reckon. But. We, we shall see. Um, right. I think we'll just go straight into our top five then, if you're ready. Yeah. Okay. So, my top five actually dropped from where I initially thought it would be before I'd started the, the big slog of getting through his 90-plus films. Um, and this is one I did see at the cinema. Um, I don't think it, I've seen many Tim Burton films at the cinema. I think most of the ones that here in my list, but before I was an avid cinema girl, I was too young to go see them. But um, this one, my number five is Sweeney Todd, The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Have nice. you seen this? I have. I is have. it in your top five? It's not. Ooh. So okay. I, I, before, before we started, as I said to you briefly, this was actually quite hard because there is a lot of, I, I like a lot of his films and it was very mm. this is probably this is probably harder than the Nolan film one that we did because ah, okay. a lot of these films I've watched since I was a kid and have a lot of memories of and stuff like that so it was it was quite hard to do this list but I, I didn't want to I did yeah it was, it was hard to narrow things down but I can't I, you know I did re-watch a lot of the stuff that you know, I love some of the newer stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and my list changed several times, but but yeah, Sweeney Todd is very good, no doubt. But it's not it's not in my personal top five. Oh, see, I absolutely. I think for me, the reason I love this is I don't really do musicals. No. Um, and when I'm trying to think at the time, if I knew going in this was a musical, I don't think I knew at the time it was a Broadway show that has been adapted to, as a, to a film. So the Sweeney Todd story obviously was around way before the film was 
was out or released. Um, but I'd come into this fresh. I didn't know the story. And I think as well, it's, um, it's definitely, I think it might be the first 18 rating or higher certificate rating of a Burton film. I don't think he's actually done one since because it is quite a brutal film. Oh, God, um, yeah. It's, yeah. Some of the death scenes again. And it's just like, wow, this is, um, this is strong. <laughs> It's the slashing of the throat and the dropping from a great height and the cracking onto the concrete yeah, ground. But I think it, that's the I worst re- bit is where they go through, like they tips the chair back, like you said, they slam into the concrete below. Yeah. It's like, shoes. Well, I remember, the, uh, I tell you what, the first time I watched it, it was it was funny enough, actually. It was after I saw you and Phil. Uh, I think when we went to London once and like you two kept singing the, um, <laughs> uh, what is it, the... Um, Shave the face, <laughs> like they like you can see, like, aka the best song in the film. Yeah, that's it. And like you guys, oh, you guys, the face. <laughs> and it just stuck in my mind. I was like, I need to, I need to watch this. And I, and I, and I watched it after after you two have mentioned it, and it it like it really took me out the moment. It like really like was shocking <laughs> when you when when like those death scenes happen because they are very very brutal like it it's um you know it is is, you know obviously it's a brutal thing anyways was it the um the butcher of bond street um fleet street sorry yeah and i think that's uh, the sequel mate that's yeah the (laughs) follow-up yeah when he when he he expands his business but like but yeah obviously it's you know it's a brutal story but my god like the the killing scenes were just yeah they're they're, They're they're pretty dark they're so strong and i think they are so quite operatic because it is obviously a musical as well so it's yeah. slightly over the top um and we going back to what we we're just saying about he's got that gothic element as well he's got uh, throughout the film like the setting in london as well um and obviously helen bonacarta is in it i think as well i've been reading about this i think it was quite a turbulent time for tim burton and Hel- um bonham carter as well i think it was they didn't have a great time on set mm. um but I don't think that that necessarily comes across in her performance. I think she's actually not too bad in this. Um, the songs as well, I just, they're so catchy and they're so great. Um, again, not a big fan of musicals, but these did stick in my head, especially especially the uh, Shave of the Face song. Yeah. And also, Sasha Baron Cohen is great in this. Yes, like, he really, is. Really um, forgotten um, uh, character that, it, that he's done. I and mean, obviously he's synonymous with like Borat and Bruno and stuff like that. But in this, he's he's actually one of the standout characters, although short-lived. Um, but yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a very bleak story as well, which again feeds into what Burton seems to go for. Um, it's not a happy ending. Um, it's a very it's a very good revenge story, isn't it? Well, it's it's good in the sense that revenge it tells you that revenge isn't good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't really go. Yeah, it's not. It's not the best. Um, sorry, no, it's not the uh, the happiest of endings. Oh no! no. I think that's kind of the point: is that revenge is is isn't worth it. It's not always satisfying as you think it would be, or it's not exactly. always going to play out as, as you'd hope in that. But um, but it's yeah. a revenge story nonetheless. But exactly. But yeah, this is um, probably of the short list of film musicals that I like. This is up very high. Okay. Um, and um, it just plays into Tim Burton's strengths. I think Johnny Depp's there, Helen Bonham Carter's there. He's got uh, Alan Rickman's in there. He's got a great yeah. cast, 
great uh, setting, great character. I think Sweeney Todd's a great character in the look as well. And also Johnny Depp, I remember at the time, got slagged off for singing here. But I think it suits the character. He's, he's, he, he doesn't, you don't look, if he was to sing perfectly, dressed and looking as that character. I yeah, it'd take, really it'd take you out of the character a bit, wouldn't it? Yeah, so I think he, he does quite well, if anything. Well, and going back to what I said earlier about how like the dark tone of things works for the films he makes, the way he makes London in that time, you know, how bleak it was and how dirty it was and how, yeah. um, you know, the different, how different the different classes lived and, you know, how the, the, the lords and the ladies had their, you know, their, their, their beautiful houses and their well-kept streets. And then there's the slums and the dirty places of London. Like it's, yeah. it's very good at using that, that theme to really call out and um, echo just how bleak a setting is or how, you know, in comparison to how nice a setting is as well. Yeah, but, exactly. um, it, def- it definitely fits in well with that. But um, yeah, that, that is a, it's a good one, but not in my, not in my Ooh, top five. That's, okay. So what have you got down as number five? So my number five is one that I actually I've only uh, it's one that I've watched a few years ago and it's so it's, it's probably the most recent one that has made it into my top five, and it's Ed Wood. Oh, okay. Is that in your top five? Do, do we want to say? Should we say? Yeah, go okay. On. It's it's my number one. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but I'll let you talk your first before I. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. So I, as I've gotten older, one thing that I love more than a film, a good film, is learning of how a film is made. And this is just absolutely brilliant. Like just how, you know, uh, it's a story about obviously Edward, the, the director in the 1950s Hollywood. I love that. I love that time of America, like oh, Hollywood anyway, like that sort of, you know, like the, the golden age. Yes. Like that, well, you know, the Hollywood land, and you know, between the 1930s and 1950s of like filmmaking and stuff. But yeah. I love that. I love that set in any way, but like, you know, it tells a story about Edward and his, you know, continuous persistence to try and, you know, get, get his name in uh, films and stuff like that. And, how he, uh, um, you know, enlists uh, an old horror movie star, uh, Bella, uh, Bella Lugosi. That's it, Lugosi. That's it. Yeah, the uh, the famous uh, Dracula actor into making films of him, and how he makes uh, eventually makes the now cult classic Plan Nine from Outer Space, and it's just, it's it's such a it's such a funny story because it's just how the lengths he goes to to try and make it this film, and just. It's, it's it's funny but it's a sad film as well because he just wants to make you know he just he's a he's a complicated guy as it is he's um he's a transvestite and he you know he's trying to make these films about telling his sort of story as well as well as incorporating into the other stories that people wanted to make mm-hmm. um it's just it's it is a re- you know it is a very interesting story because it's all true you know it's all about you know, the lengths he went to to try and make these films. And it reminded me of a lot of, um, have you ever seen The Disaster Artist? No, I haven't. And I haven't actually seen The Room either, which is so shocking. So that, again, it's just, it, it, it elevates the film that bit much more when you just see just how crazy things were behind the scenes to get it made. Like, you know, the film itself yeah. is bad, but just to see how the lengths that people went to to, to get it made... Uh, get it made just just make is you know absolutely baffling but but yeah edward you know it's the whole film is black and white which i think for me 
if it was in colour, it would lose like 90% of its charm. So just a bit on that, just quickly. So I read the reason why it's in black and white is because they didn't know how to make Bella Lugosi look in colour because he's all, only ever been in black and white films. Ah, that's clever. I like that. So that's, because they didn't know clever. how to like do his makeup and stuff because people won't know, everyone knows him synonymously with black and white yes. pictures like Dracula and White Zombie and stuff like that, that they didn't know how to do it. So they thought, oh, okay, well, let's just do it black and white. But like you said, I think it, I think it would look ridiculous in colour. I don't yeah, think it would work as well. It, it, it adds to the charm of the film so much in that because... It just, it was made in that time, you know, that period when it was still black and white movies. And it's, uh, it is, it's not a very dark toned film. It's, it's still, it's, it's still got that Tim Burton-esque feel to it, but not to the point where it's very macabre and it's very, um, you know. No, it's, it's not, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's got horror characters and stuff like that, but it's not necessarily a horror film or horror tone. But oh, also, just, hold on, we haven't gone to the fact that you being a wrestling fanboy, George Steele. Oh yeah, in George Steele's in it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and it's and it's you know, it it's just like I said, I love I love learning about you know the, like how films are made and stuff like that, and just seeing like the lengths he went to to you know the, the, there's a scene when you know he, his whole film is based around um well, the, you know the first film he made, The Bride of the Atom. The, cl- the, the, the climax of it would be the, the mad professor falls into the pit with his giant squid <laughs> and is killed by the very creation he makes. And he writes this script and they're like, okay, where are you going to get this octopus from? He's like, we'll steal it from the studio. And they break into a, a studio <laughs> lot of props and they steal this, uh, the octopus, you know, this giant octopus model. And it's just, it's the, you know, again, it's the, it's the, the passion for filmmaking that he had, that he went to extreme lengths to, to get it done. And, you know, he, he held these lavish parties where to get backers and he was lying to people about, you know, who was going to be in the film and what was going to happen in order to get money to raise, you know, to, to get the funds for it. But, um, but yeah, I just, I, yeah, I, 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 it was, it was one, it was probably, like I said, it's, it's only one I've seen in the last few years. Um, but it was just, yeah, it was, it was just something different from his normal films. It was like, a, it was a real, I think, you know, feel free to correct me. This is the only Tim Burton film I could think of that's actually based on real life or like a true story. Uh, no, so there is one called Big Eyes that he did a couple of years ago, which was about this painter. Who, oh, with uh, Christoph Waltz. That's it, yeah. But yes, I mean, yeah. outside of that, and I'm just racking my brain there, yeah, but it's definitely not, his forte, not his, not not his forte. It's definitely not his regular thing to do. No. Is it? Is is much more of a fantastical, you know, side of things when it comes yeah. to films. But yeah, you're and right. I, and I think that again, that plays into plays credit to him is the fact that he's made he's made this film that's so bizarre and so surreal, mm. but it's still it's it's a real it's a it's based on real life. The fact that you know. And he's brought out just how surreal this whole story is about the making of this film because of you know, the way the way he's made it. Um, but yeah, jo- I, I, you know, I think Johnny Depp is brilliant in it. Um, you, you know, the uh, <laughs> there's one there's one bit in it when um, Bill Murray's character. Um, oh, he's so good in this, by the way, Bill Murray. He's so uh, good. He's barely in it, but he's so funny. He's. Uh, they're talking about. Um, Oh God, because Bella Bella hated a British actor, didn't he? Um, I can't think of the Boris Karloff. That's it, yeah. Boris, yeah. Boris Karloff, that's it. 
And there's a bit when um, Bella dies, sadly, and they they're making Plan B, out of, uh, Plan Nine, out of um, out of space, and they hire his girlfriend's chiropractor because the top half of his <laughs> the top half of his face looked like looks like Bella, and they say, look, if you you know just cover your face the entire time, but people will only see the top half the top half of you, and. Um, uh, sorry, what was it? What was an actor that he, he, he hates? Boris, he, Boris Karloff. That's it, Boris Karloff. And they're in the they're in the church that's backing the um, uh, their film, and he's like, he says to Bill Murray's character, "Look, look at the top of his face." He's like, "Oh my god, it's uncanny." He's like, "Yeah, he, he looks just like Bella." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "Now get him to say that Boris is a cocksucker." And see how <laughs> like, it's, it's just stupid things like that. And it's like, he's like, oh. you, can't, "You can't say that we're in church." Like, Bill Murray is is. A hidden, not a hidden gem, but he is a he is the, one of the highlights of that film because there's a bit oh, yeah. where like saying he wants to go to Mexico and get a sex change. That's it. When he explains um, what's happened, when he and then he back. explains it and he comes back and goes these Mar- <laughs> these Mar- um, these mariachi guys like save yeah. me. Well, it's just he's, like he's a, he's it's just like no con- yeah, it's just no context, but for yeah. some reason, it just works. Oh, it's just so funny. You have to see it if anyone's listening hasn't seen it. That scene is just so funny because this mariachi band just saved me. <laughs> it's just, oh man, oh mate, um, um, Edward, yeah, is my number one. I think it was the enough. first time I'd ever seen it, and it absolutely blew me away in the sense that I think this is Tim Burton on his top form. Hmm. Um, you could tell he really cared about the subject matter because I think it was very so. Edward is notorious for being one of the worst film directors ever. And I think it would have been very easy to kind of make a, and I mean, don't get me wrong, it is funny, but I don't think it's ever making fun of Edward. I think you're with him. And Johnny Depp plays this, the character you sympathise with. He's, you know, he's trying everything he can. He's very rarely negative. He's very upbeat and tries to see the positive out of every single situation. Um, and like you said earlier, he's willing to do anything just to make a film. You can tell his passion's uh, there. And... Yeah, and, that, and that's the thing, you know, he made he said you know one of the worst directors ever but it's only because like he didn't have the funding and the backing that he wanted so yeah. much to be able to make the film he envisioned you know when you watch the film you know he's trying to get backers to to help him and they're saying you know how much do you want and he's saying you know look, a, a normal film costs a million dollars i'm just asking for sixty thousand dollars and he can't even get that like he's you know he struggles yeah. to get you know like i said he's stealing props from people He's 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 uh, he's hiring friends to be the actors because he can't get proper actors. He ne- you know he's he gets a church group to back the film because they want to make um, they want to make films about the apostle and that. But you know he, he he convinces them to give him the money to make other films. But like yes, he's the worst director. But it, it, it's it's not fair to say because the, the film he made isn't the one he intended to make. It was it was completely outside of what even the title. Plan Nine from Outer Space. It wasn't supposed to be the title of the film, mm. but the church, the church group that funded his film, didn't like the the original title the, uh, that he gave it, so they renamed it. So everything, exactly. every almost every element of the film that he eventually made was outside of his control or outside of the vision that he had to make that film. And I think it's all down to Burton to show this side of that character because I imagine prior to the Edward the film coming out, he would have been. That the the real Edward would have just been known as this terrible director, and Tim Burton's yeah. put this human, not human, yeah, not humanizes him, but he he makes him. No, actually, there's this other side to this character that he's a likable character, and you know, you you're rooting for him, you want him to make these films. You've got this or uh, this transvestite um, 
uh, uh, thing that's hanging over Ad Edward that wants to sort of share, and he's quite confident in, in doing that quite early on in the film. Um, all of these things that perhaps weren't prevalent to what people thought of Edward. And also, I think this is one, one of Tim Burton's better films in the sense that it, it done quite well. And um, I think, firstly, actually, the, the, the main point I want to talk about is Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi. I think he's incredible yeah. in this. To the point when I was started to initially watch it, I, I knew what the film was about, obviously, it's in the title, but um, I'm watching it and thinking, I can't be Bella Lugosi because surely he would have been dead by this yeah, point. but he, he plays it so, so well. He plays it so well and he did such great research and the bit, um, sorry, research in his films to kind of pick up his mannerisms and his um, his accent and stuff like that, which he, he absolutely nails. And you can, he, he definitely deserves the Oscar that he got for Best Sporting um, Role for this film because um, unparalleled, I think he's just absolutely this the bit that makes me laugh is you know you're saying about the octopus they steal the octopus and he oh when he's wrestling goes, with it you know just before that he goes come oh. on let's shoot this fucker <laughs> and then he has to wrestle with, with like this inanimate it's, it's giant brilliant <laughs> and it's it's, so it's brilliant the what you know he, he properly gets into that moment because they forget the motor that will make the octopus move so they're just like yeah just re just wrestle with it and so you know make its arms flap around and he does. He, he properly gets into it, wrestling with this giant, you know, stuffed octopus, and it, it's absolutely brilliant. There's, you know, the bit that I love about that is the fact that like they pan away to uh, to Edward, you know, Johnny Depp's character, watching him wrestle this octopus, and his face just lights up as if to be like, "This is brilliant. This is like, and it's, it is. It's put. It's, it's so at the. It's so beyond like what you a, would expect." He's like a child, though, isn't he? Yeah. Anything that happens on screen. He's happy with because he's just he loves the fact it's happening, you know. Not that it's you know that he's not worried that because as well. I don't know if you remember. He doesn't take many second cuts. He does no. one cut and he goes, "Yeah, I'm fine with that." So although as a director, it's probably not the best thing to do, smart thing to do. Um, he's just like so happy that it's what he's doing. His his dream of doing the film is happening. Pull he's just eager strings. to get onto the next thing. <laughs> pull the strings. Pull, pull the strings. It was That's like. Incredible. It was like Beaver, beaver. But I've, yeah, I've watched that scene like on YouTube. You've got the original Bella Lugosi doing that skit as well, and it's just they're just oh, it is spot on. It yes, yeah, it is absolutely spot on. But that's why I think yeah, again, it, it just it, it just plays so well into it because it is it is a real life story, and it's it's just made so well that you you know you can't you almost have to you can't believe that it is a real story because it's, it's so, yeah. it's so mind boggling how they managed to pull it off and that. Um, exactly. but yeah. And also that, a few other things. Sarah Jessica Parker isn't actually that bad in this. I thought no, she was quite good. She's quite likable um, for a... <laughs> for sex and sea. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think as well, one thing I've just forgot to mention is quite, it's one of his more, um, slightly more, um, emotional uh, films as well in the sense of Depp's relationship with with Bella throughout the film um, he kind of get quite attached it's almost like a father and son relationship well, well yeah and how and Bella's kind of got into sort of uh, drug addiction which yeah, I didn't really know I didn't really know about from a you know a real life standpoint that that, that was how sort of Bella Lugosi was going towards the end of his career he was sort of going off the wagon slightly and um and I think that relationship was quite 
was quite sweet. And um, I was doing a bit of research after. And I think one of the reasons Tim Burton took this on was because he had a similar relationship with um, Vincent Price in Edward Scissorhands. Oh, okay. So they That's were both, cool. you know, Vincent Price and Bella Lugosi are um, iconic horror actors. Um, and I thought, you know, I think so. Edward was out in 94 and Edward Scissorhands was in 1990, I think. So it wasn't that far, um, you know, that many years after. And I think that was quite a, a touching thing to read, I think, when he was reading about, obviously, Bella and uh, Edward having this relationship where they were sort of helping each other out. And, and, he, and he's been and getting there. Bella into his films. And, and he's kind of been there with, I imagine, having that similar relationship with Vincent Price. He was, very, you know, he's getting old and he wasn't in films as much. And, and, that, and that's, had that, shared that sort of same thing between the films I thought that you could tell for that one reason perhaps it was such a passion project that he's put Tim Burton's put as much effort into this and that's why I think it's one of his it is his best film yeah and it's it starts off you know he he starts from a, a, a an avid fan who you know becomes friends with his his childhood idol and yeah. they become friends and they start working with each other and you like you said you know uh, he, he learns of his drug addiction and he helps him with that it gets him into rehab and tries to you know tries to reignite his career and get him into the films and get him on tv because you know he's sad that his his idol has fallen and that you know he's not the he's not the big star that he used to be so he wants to help him and you know when they that final scene when they have the prim, the premiere of um clan nine and the only thing he says is all you know all i need to say is this is for bella like you know yeah. that, that's what you know he introduced the film as a tribute to bella <coughs> yeah, me. and um... And it's yeah, it is it is a nice story. It is um, it's just it is a sad story because it is you know it's at its heart it's it's a guy who had a passion for filmmaking, had mm -hmm. all the all the hurdles in the world, finally made a film and it got panned. But it was it was nowhere near what his vision or goal was to to you know to end up in that. But he still he did he, still, he didn't give up. He just carried no, on. He didn't he yeah films and. It's, if anything, it's made me want to go and watch his films because I haven't seen Clan Nine yeah. from Out Space. I haven't seen any other, other films he's done. But just as a kind of a, I guess it's he's kind of turned into a cult following as well. His films, kind of knowing knowing what you're in for with with them. Um, but yeah, it's made me want to go make, and actually check them out. More. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. yeah, so that's a that's a nice contrast. Your number yeah. five is mine. No, <laughs> this is uh, this sets the tone hopefully for the rest of it. So. Um, Okay, great. So my number four then, which I have a feeling is going to be in your top five, I don't know where, is Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay. So although technically he didn't direct, well, he didn't direct this film. This is obviously, it is, it is even says in the title, Tim Merton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, so I remember first watching this in college. I never watched this as a kid. I would have been about 17, 18, I think. And uh, yeah, so I went into this relatively fresh at the time. Um, I know it was obviously been about, I think it's out in 93. Um, I wasn't aware of any songs, so I hadn't, I'd come into this completely blind, which I think is a massive benefit. Um, but again, similar to Sweeney Todd, firstly, the music in this, the songs are so oh, catchy. Oh, gotcha. Super catchy. And I think, and I think as well, we haven't mentioned about regular um, uh, regular people that Tim Burton's work, worked with is Danny Elfman from yeah. just a, a score. And also, he, I think he, he does 
the singing for what's this in this film um i think he sings as jack skellington um but yeah the music is, is just so good um and this again similar to what you're saying about um edward slightly this is absolutely tim burton's wheelhouse from a from an anim animation and uh uh, the drawings alone, you, this is just Tim Burton all over. Um, it's a great story. And I know you you posted this, whether it's a Halloween or a Christmas film. I think I think it is mainly a Christmas film, but you can still watch it at Halloween, probably the first half of the film in Halloween when it's in Halloween town, mm -hmm. and then the rest is Christmas. But you can just watch it any time of year. It's just so, so good. Oh, yeah. And it's only short. It's only an hour and 15 minutes long. Well, it's a kids' um, film, and then well, or well, supposedly a kids' film, I guess. But um, but yeah, it's it is super catchy in that, and it's it's all. I mean, you could argue it's a musical. Oh yeah, part I, that. I would say it is. Yeah, I definitely would say it is. I think it's it's similar to a good Pixar film in the sense that kids can watch this, and adults can also watch it and appreciate. It. If it's just for the appreciation of the stop motion animation, which. I know I've said a few times on various episodes of the podcast that I'm just an absolute fanboy for anyway. So there was always going to be a one of his um, stop motion films in it because he's done a few others. He's done um, Corpse Bride, which I watched for the first yeah. time, which is, again, is great. Um, and it's scarily really good. When I realised in the sense of um, that it was actually stop motion. I thought it was CG because it looked so good. Yeah, um, they come up, come a long way. I think because that was what two thousand and seven. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's about that. yeah. So a good like fourteen, fifteen years between um, Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas and that. Like you know the 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 advances in technology and from a stop motion point of view must have been ridiculous. Yeah. Like it just looks great. And then uh, the other one was Frankenweenie, which I don't know if you've seen that. Not seen that one, no. Um, but again, similar designs from like the Corpse Bride, but you could tell that animation, I think, is a big part of um, Tim Burton's passion oh, for yeah. things as well. Um, that he's this is probably from a an animation point of view, his his um, absolute triumph. This is the top one. When I think of Tim Burton and animation, this is always going to be the front runner. Um, it's just a really great film like i said i think the, the songs absolutely carry it uh, jack skellington is a great designer for character or in fact all of the characters from halloween town especially um the this is halloween song where you're kind of introduced to them through that song um they're just so, they're great they're really well designed they're really um i think unique, and i just think yeah it's it's a great although it again it plays into what we're saying about um Tim Burton his his themes it's all bleak and they're all not bleak sorry they're all sort of like dark twisted but they're the Halloween traditional sort of monsters and characters but they're all kind of funny and they're all trying to you know they, they don't really know about you know learning about Christmas is quite a sweet yeah. thing um, it's, it's, it's a positive it's, spin on what could otherwise be something that would scare kids and it's made in like they're not the style of the models and the style of the settings and that they're not like spot on. It's, it is still quite crude, but it but it makes it that bit better, if that makes sense. The, the crudeness of it, because it makes it that bit more creepy. That you know that it's kind of out of shape and not yeah. perfect and not um, you know not this like slick animation or slick you know 
models or whatever they are quite crude models and that but it, it does add to that whole you know creepiness of, of the actual tone of the film and that but um, it's, it is a weird because i remember thinking how is this film for kids just looking at pictures and seeing some of the character models like but it very much is because i i might you know kids i didn't see it as a kid but i imagine kids would have seen it as initially been sort of freaked out by some of the characters but once you kind of see that they're kind of funny characters and they're um they're you know singing and they're making light of situations and they still have similar things like they're panicking um i think it's at the town crier or like the mayo it's like you switch faces um but yeah i just think you know it's just i don't know what else to say really it's just great fun um and it's it's definitely a pivotal one for tim burton so this is not in my top five. <laughs> wow. Really? It's great. It's great. Don't get me wrong. I, I love it. Wow. But I'm the same as you. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it until I was an adult because it used to freak me out as a kid. Like even, <laughs> you know, when we talked about the video store stuff and when you see um, like the covers of films. <laughs> yeah. As a kid, it used to creep <laughs> me out so much when I'd go to rent a film and I'd be looking at the kids' films and that was there, Nightmare on Elm Street. Elm Street uh, to went uh, Nightmare Before Christmas, and just like it just used to just freak me out. Like, why is this here? And I remember, uh, <laughs> I forget which Disney, I forget which Disney film it was, but you know when like you'd rent out a video, or, you know, you'd be watching a video, and it would show you like up and coming films. Yeah, they had a clip from that where the kid gets the head for Christmas. Oh right, and it just freaked the hell out of me, and I was like, <laughs> I don't want to watch, never want to watch that film. So I ended up only watching it once I was an adult. And it is a great film. I'm absolutely not taking anything away from it. It's a, it's a very sweet film. It's a very funny film. It's, um, it, you know, it, it is a very enjoyable film. It's just not in my top five because... This is crazy. I just, I, I like, what is left? <laughs> what, what is... All right, no, let's, let's save it. I'm just interested okay. to see what else is in your list now. Okay. So I'm my, shocked it's not in there. So my number four mm-hmm. is, is Beetlejuice. Okay. Nice. Is that is that in your top five? No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> see, I, see, I told you this is go- this is going to be very difficult because for, for many different reasons. But yeah, uh, but Beetlejuice. Uh, I, I tell you what, I love about I I I love absolutely love Michael Keaton. I think he's yeah. br- brilliant, and I love him in this because he's just so over the top, just so dynamic, just so uh, you know just so crazy with the character. He, he very much reminds me of, and I know you're going to, you know, it's probably not going to shock you. He reminds me of Heath Ledger as the Joker. Mm. Just a complete, you know, 180 of him as a person and just, uh, you know, of his, of his work as well. And just how, uh, yeah, just how dynamic the character is and just how, you know, how funny the character is. And again, that film's got some very quite catchy uh, moments in it and stuff like that. And, you know, yeah. the, 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 when, he, when, he, when he possesses the family and they're all singing around the dinner table and it's got, all the, it's got all the cool settings. So when he, you know, um, the model that they've got in the attic, when it comes to life and he, you know, he pulls people into the model and like the, the living town that he's, he's got set up and his world. And, you know, it's just, again, it's got that, it's got that same charm as, uh, as Nightmare Before Christmas where it's got like, all the different unique characters and all their different traits. Like he's got the, um, 
you know, the the, uh, the girls with the multiple heads, and he's got the the ones with the half a body, and he's got the guy when he's when he's in the waiting room, and there's a guy with a shrunken head that's, yes, that's sat there waiting. That. Just all the all the crazy characters that are you know the, as part of that whole thing. I, and the one I love that stood out is the the cut in half woman. Yes. So my, uh, Beetlejuice is sitting in the middle, and like the legs of the woman are to his left. That's it. And yeah. The top half is on his right, and he puts his leg hands on. That's the it. Leg, and the woman next to him, the other side, slaps him. I'd that's slap it. Him, it's just, and it's just, it's playing with that. You know, it's the because it's obviously the waiting room uh, for people that are dying and stuff. But it just has fun with it. It just, it's yeah. fun with the fact it makes that, you light know, of a depressing thing in reality. Yeah. yeah. Ab- absolutely, um, and that's you know, it puts his spin like it's like a waiting room. And they're trying to, I think it's like, um, it's Alec Baldwin, isn't it? That's it, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. That's it. And, and it, they go in and they just turned up and they're like, oh, excuse me, like, you know, at the reception desk. It's like, yeah, take a ticket. And it's like, it's quite a positive spin on an otherwise bleak topic. And that's the thing. It it does. It, it does exactly that. It takes a horrible thing, you know, this this couple that... Um, the the house that they, the, you know, that they love and, the, you know, they, they cherish has been sold to this horrible woman who wants to completely tear it apart and has her own interior design ideas or, or you know brings in a her you know interior designer team to to completely change it and it. they don't realize they're dead at first and yeah they have they get like the 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 handbook to understand their, their death and how they've got to haunt the family and all this kind of stuff and you know it's it does it makes light on a very horrible situation about yeah these poor people died in their house and that and it's mm. um you know it's acceptance of um of dying and going into the afterlife and that but it's just it's uh yeah it's just it's just another it's weird again it's 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 a it's quite hor it's quite a horrible subject death but it's made in such a a colorful and just yeah just creative way of you know yeah. of, of making it into quite a quite a nice film and that and you know she, um we know the writer's character she obviously makes friends with um the ghost and you know eventually meets beetlejuice for that and it's just it's that I don't know. It's just that not it, just a a very funny, nice film. I, I, you know, I watched it as a kid, and that that I watched as a kid, and it didn't freak me out half as much as just seeing a small mm. preview from you know Nightmare from uh, Before Christmas. But, but there's, yeah, like there's said, animation in this as well, isn't there? It's not throughout the whole thing, but he's got he brings in his his anim- uh, Tim Burton's animation. You know uh, what he can do in throughout the film as well in certain bits as well yeah because you've got like the big sand snakes and stuff like that and that's it uh you know it, it, like i said it's just just michael keaton in that film just is just such a polar, it's quite an iconic character as well like you see the black and white striped suit and you just know it's beetlejuice yeah well he reminds me of like the mask like jim carrey's the mask yeah. where he like he can transform you know he transforms into all these like crazy characters with these different outfits and you know he's this he's this you know naughty poltergeist that you know um, that you hire to help you into, you know, into the afterlife, and uh, you know, if you want to, you know, uh, haunt people and stuff like that, it's just, it's just a, yeah, it's, it's a very, it's a very dark subject, but made very, yeah, just, just, <laughs> just, yeah, just very light with the, with the way it's, um, it's made, and it's, it's still got that, um, yeah, again, like we said before, that sort of Tim Burton stamp on it. That just works. And I th- that's that's why it's it's in my um, my top five. That's the end of part one. Join us again for part two, where we discuss the remaining few picks for our top five favorite Tim Burton movies. 
Thanks for listening.